The latest update on Damian Lillard is the Heat haven't made their best offer. So is there any chance the Pelicans can slide in and grab Dame for cheap? Or what about facilitating as a third team? It's Wednesday's episode of Lockdown Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Wednesday, and yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about Damian Lillard. Could the Pelicans get him? Could they get involved in a trade? And then I want to switch gears to sovereign wealth funds. What is that and why is it important in the NBA? Because it has a chance to shake up everything. So we're going to cover all of that in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, even deep into the offseason where it's after summer league. We're here now. We will be three days a week, and I have, I have a fun schedule planned for us. Every Monday is going to be top 10, top 5, something with the Pelicans, top 10 all-stars in franchise history, top 5 players all time in franchise history, those kind of questions. Wednesdays are going to be what-if Wednesdays. Love the alliteration there. What if Zion stays healthy all season? What if he doesn't stay healthy all season? We'll look in game out scenarios like that. And then, of course, Thursday live shows, 7 p.m., just like we're going to be doing this week. It's already, I believe, up on the YouTube page. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. And you'll know when we go live. And if you want to support the channel, become an everydayer and listen Monday through Friday. I love seeing all the YouTube comments saying, I'm an everydayer. Those are awesome. So let's get into Damian Lillard. There haven't been very many updates on this because just really nothing's been happening. And per Sham Sharania of The Athletic, you know, put it out there saying, quote, I'm told Portland has told Miami this, make your best offer to us, end quote. So one, the Heat haven't made their best offer yet. Like, is that really a thing? They went in and tried to lowball the Portland Trailblazers. This was like when the Lakers offered Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Rajon Rondo, Michael freaking Beasley, and one first-round pick for Anthony Davis as their initial offer and drug that process out for six months because they tried to just lowball the team entirely and ended up costing them in the long run as the Celtics could then get involved and raise the price up of Anthony Davis till the Pelicans did get a very big haul for him. I also kind of laugh at this because the Heat are probably like, no, 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 we, we have made our best offer because there's only so much the Miami Heat can offer. They can offer at most two first-round picks and all of these players because they've been trading away their first-round picks and things like that, and there's something called the stipend rule. So if the Miami Heat haven't made their best offer yet, could a team like the New Orleans Pelicans come in and get Damian Lillard? Could you get him for cheap? Could you get him... Without trading Zion, without trading Brandon Ingram, without trading Trey Murphy, could you do Dyson Daniels, Jordan Hawkins, EJ Liddell, and a bunch of first-round picks to get him? I think the answer is no. This kind of statement of Portland going, 
Make your best offer to us. Sounds just like we don't need to negotiate anymore. Just tell us what you're going to give us and we're going to send Damian Lillard there to you. This type of statement says no other teams are interested. No other offers are arriving. So like, let's skip the haggling process and let's just get this done. It's like if you were to walk onto a car dealership lot and instead of wanting to try and get like the best deal on what you want to buy, you're like, I'll pay sticker. Can I just pay sticker and get out of here and we can wrap this up in an hour? They're still going to make it take like five. But can we just do this and make it really easy and we don't need you to go to your manager's office. I don't need to threaten to go to a different dealership. Let's just make this simple. I have the money. Here you go. That's what this says. Now, it means the Pelicans could come in and make a better offer than that and get them. But it also says they're not going to do that. So it's not going to happen. I think that's been kind of the case in the, you know, if you're reading it, like that's how it's going to be going for a while that it was just, it's going to be Miami and Damian Lillard kind of doing the James Harden-esque threat of I'm going to be unhappy, even though he wouldn't not play and he wouldn't tank, you know, a team the season like uh, James Harden did. It's very clear that that has scared everybody away. And now Portland's not going to just give Damian Lillard away. It's Damian Lillard after all. But we don't need to negotiate anymore. Just make the best offer. And we know what the best offer is. It's two first-round picks. It's um, the guy from UCLA they just drafted. It's Kyle, Kyle Lowry's contract, not him as a player because he's fairly washed at this point. You know, whatever else it is that you need to just include to get this deal done. You know, Tyler Hero, and this is probably what's holding it up, and I also do think that this is kind of the sentiment from the Portland Trailblazers. Tyler Hero needs to go to a third team. He makes no sense on Portland. He needs to get basically flipped for another first-round pick. And then that pick goes to Portland. And then they get three picks, two young players, and you know Kyle Lowry's expiring salary to get off their books in a year or something like that, where he probably just gets bought out. So that, I think, is ultimately what they're saying is, I, some of the Portland Trailblazers, I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to go be on the beach. Go find a deal for Tyler Hero. Call me when you have that. That's now your best offer. Cool. Let's get a deal done. And I'm not going to do the work on this. This is on you guys to go make that happen. That really does seem like no other team is going to get Damian Lillard, including New Orleans. And, you know, when we were talking about this before, it was, would you put Zion and a first round pick or Zion and other stuff in there for Damian Lillard? And I wouldn't do that. But I think this is kind of how one t- speaks a lot about how teams view Zion as a trade asset and like where his value is, like kind of low right now, that other teams don't value him nearly as highly as the Pelicans do. And given the injury history and all the other stuff, that I think makes a lot of sense. So even if Miami has not done the offers and put the offers on the table that they should have, then yeah, I, I think that that's where this is headed. They're going to the trailblazers are kind of waving the white flag here and saying all right we're going to send him to you just just give us the best offer and we'll get this done just might take moving tyler hero first but once that part happens the rest of this just kind of all slides and falls into place so you're going to see damian lillard i think on the miami heat next season and that deal probably gets done sooner rather than later but as we said it's it's not going to be a straight up you know two-team deal portland and miami there's going to be a third or fourth team involved in this. Could New Orleans get in on that? You know, I've seen a lot of people say, you know, New Orleans needs to help facilitate the trade. 
What's that mean? Is there anything that makes like sense for New Orleans to try and want or get in on? Let's look at that coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing betting on MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. It's probably Otani. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official betting partner of Major League Baseball and the official sports betting partner of Locked On. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about this team, the number one Pelicans podcast. If you're an everydayer, let me know in the comments down below on YouTube. And if you want to support the channel, become an everydayer. For your second listen today, you see it up here on YouTube. It says watch next. Watch Locked On NBA. I'm on there every single Wednesday. Our big national show this gets blasted out everywhere. We got NOLA representing on there. We actually did basically the whole show on sovereign wealth funds because I think this is a really interesting thing that's coming to the NBA. I'll give you a quick rundown in the third segment on this. But when it comes to things like relocation, the luxury tax, there are big ramifications here if sovereign wealth funds and they're coming really make a dent into the NBA's ownership landscape. It could literally change the landscape of the NBA. We'll get into that in the third segment. But right now... Let's keep talking about the Damian Lillard trade and could the Pelicans get in as third team, a fourth team. I've seen this a lot and I wonder if people are just really nervous about running back more or less like the same roster as last season, which is kind of where we are, right? Like the minor, you know, addition has been Jordan Hawkins and EJ Liddell and, you know, you've lost Josh Richardson and like that's kind of it. So they're more or less running, running back, right? Like that's, as I hit my chair here, that's what's happening. And I, I just, I get it. There's reasons to be nervous. There's reasons to be optimistic about it too. If people, Zion BI can stay healthy. So I think people want to see a deal. They want to see a trade. They want to see like something done to just shake it up after how disappointing last season was. So it's like, could they get in on the Damian Lillard trade even if they're not getting Lillard could they help facilitate and I don't when I look at this is there anything they particularly want from the Miami Heat from the Portland Trailblazers that would be in this trade I don't really think so if you go look at those rosters you know of guys that are gettable you're not getting Bam at a bio from the Miami Heat here right do you want to swap out Jonas Valanciunas for Yusuf Nurkic because I don't I'm not really sure, you know, where New Orleans would fit into something like this. You know, if anything, you usually need a team with salary cap space to be your third team so that like a player gets traded into that cap space and you don't need players coming back in returns and salaries have to match in NBA trades. For the most part, the rules are much different now. So with that in mind, like I don't see where New Orleans gets involved. They don't have the salary cap space. They're already over the luxury tax right now. And if they don't want to pay that luxury tax, well, you know, you'd be maybe looking to dump Jonas Valanciunas in a trade like this. You know, okay. 
you can get involved in that way, but you're not going to get anything back in return or anything that's good. If anything, you would be getting a worse player. And we talked about, you know, trading Jonas Valanciunas in yesterday's show. If you're an everyday or you listen to that, you know, and I said, you know, you could just dump him, get under the duck, the luxury tax and get a worse player. You know, I don't really, but you're also going to need to give up assets to do that. I think I don't particularly love the idea of the Pelicans getting involved in that Damian Lillard deal just to have to spend assets to dump stuff to get to save them money long term. You don't need to figure out the luxury tax right now. You have to be under it by the end of the season. For the most part, that means kind of like functionally the trade deadline, but you can also sometimes make moves after that as well. You know, you're not going to get a first round pick for any player on this roster that you would be trading. They're not going to include CJ McCollum in a deal, I don't think. You know, I, I struggle to see where they get involved in a trade like this. And then any deal, and this comes down to like, keep it simple, right? You know, if they're getting, you know, if you make it a four team deal and they're getting pieces from that fourth team, so not the Miami Heat, not the Portland Trailblazers, like you can just do a, a trade with that team and it doesn't need to be involved in the four team deal for Damian Lillard. You know, we've heard some rumors of the Heat were looking at Jonas Valanciunas, but for what? You know, as a replacement for who? Uh, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. You know, Bam Adebayo is a tremendous, is one of the best centers in the league. You could argue he's the best defensive player in the league right now, at least the best defensive big man. And I think you'd be very correct in saying that. So I don't, I just don't see where New Orleans gets involved as a third team facilitating in a way that makes any sort of meaningful change or brings in any sort of useful asset. If anything, they would be getting involved in that trade simply to dump salary, maybe Kyra Lewis Jr., maybe Jonas Valanciunas, and get out from underneath the luxury tax. Do you really want them to get involved in that deal then? You know, let me know in the comments down below. Take a look at Portland's roster. Take a look at um, the Miami Heat's roster. And of the guys that are, like, attainable, right? You're not getting Scoot Henderson. You're not going to get Simons from... Portland, I don't even off the top of my head. I'm like, no, there's none of that. No one else I really want from, you know, that team and from Miami, you know, guys, they're going to get rid of keep like they need to keep some people on that roster, right? You're not going to get Nikola Jovich, you know, you're not going to get um, Jaime from UCLA there either. You know, you, you know, Caleb Martin's going to stay there. They need him. You don't want Duncan Robinson. There's just nothing that really makes any sort of sense to me of a guy that, you know, you could do this deal around and like bring them in. Yeah, there's really like they're not going to trade Thibel from Portland. There's no one that I, I'm really that interested in from either of those teams that like, oh, yeah, they trade this guy. You know, I'm sure people are going to scream for like Thomas Bryant and things like that, but I don't really think that that is a big deal. They also just signed him, so they're not going to trade him. I just don't see New Orleans being a player in this deal other than getting Damian Lillard, which we just went over in the last segment. The first segment of the show is not going to happen because he seems almost just book it to the Miami Heat right now. So I think it's still just going to be quiet offseason, maybe with another minor move. You know, could be could be Jokic, could be just dumping Kyra Lewis Jr., but I just don't see a big thing happening that I think people are really hoping for. And even being the third team facilitating that, like it's not enough to really make a significant difference 
on the roster, even if they were able to get involved and it was more than a pure salary dump. Let me know. What do you think the trade is? Throw it in the comments down below and tell me, give me your reason for how New Orleans really improves there. Or is it simply just to dump money? So coming up next, I want to quickly look at sovereign wealth funds and tell you where my head's at with this, because I think this is something that's not going to impact the NBA in the next season or two. But after that, it opens the door for some crazy things. And I think New Orleans is one of the teams that could be impacted the most. So let's speculate a little bit and I'll explain what I mean coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked on Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team, whether it's what they can do with the Damian Lillard deal or getting into like really kind of obscure things like these sovereign wealth funds. No one else is talking about this nationally, which we talked about a ton on Locked On NBA today. If you want to learn more about these and how I really think they can do it, we have like 20 minutes on that on the Locked On NBA podcast, the big national show that's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So let's just get right into it. So sovereign wealth funds, these are basically state-owned entities that pool money and invest in private equity or, or mutual funds. And you're seeing them get involved in the sports world. Paris St. Germain is owned by Qatar's, like a subsidiary of Qatar's Sovereign Wealth Fund. Um, the Saudi Arabian Sovereign Wealth Fund, I believe, owns its, um, I just completely blanked on it. It's not new. Is it Newcastle? One of the Premier League teams um, who bought one of my favorite players from my favorite soccer team, AC Milan in Italy. You know, they were involved in the LIV Live Golf Tour as well. You know, essentially what they're trying to do is, is funnel money elsewhere. And I would be remiss without saying this, kind of sports wash some of these countries like human rights records, which are any, you know, not great. But by investing money in sport and getting people to love that stuff and they're involved with it, it makes them look better and it kind of gets you to forget about a lot of, you know, some of the negative things that they're doing. That's not all of them, right? There's other, you know, France has one. Most major countries have one or something like that. The Philippines actually just created one that I think could get involved in the NBA too. And what these are, you know, is basically just like unlimited money, it feels like at times. You know, you look at the Saudi Arabian one, it's over $800 billion, billion. Even the Qatar one that owns Paris Saint-Germain, I think is $500 billion. You know, the richest owner in American sports right now might be Steve Ballmer, and he's worth $150 billion, if that. When you think about the amount of money that these funds control and have access to, it's staggering. And the NBA CBA recently just changed it where sovereign wealth funds can buy NBA teams now. The group, the company that owns the Washington Wizards, they own other things too. 5% of it is owned by a sovereign wealth fund. They bought in as an investor, bringing money in. You know, conceivably, they could be buying whole NBA teams. And I think this is important. You know, one, it's for two reasons. You know, the luxury tax is a thing that can be prohibitive because it's so much money and it costs you and you got to pay that, right? We've seen the Warriors and what their numbers are with all of those things. Matt Ishbia just bought the Phoenix Suns and was spending money like crazy. But even they have limits. Ishbia, who looks like he was like, let's burn all of the money and I don't care, just traded campaign, basically dumped him for free to save $20 million on the luxury tax. $20 million to... An entity, let's call it, that's 800 billion. 
They're not going to dump that player. They won't care. They'll just pay the $20 million in luxury tax. So it has a chance to kind of upend the NBA and the spending structure and get rid of, you know, some of the competitive balance that the new collective bargaining agreement that the NBA wants in place. The other side of it is this. And I'll I'll use the Pelicans as an example. And this is my doomsday scenario. And I don't think this is going to come to pass. But it's something I'm thinking about. And if they fully buy a team, say Gail Benson passes away, right? There's no heir. Eventually, as I've said on here many times, the team will need to be sold. Both the Saints and the Pelicans will need to be sold. Let's just look at it from the Pelicans. The Pelicans get sold to a sovereign wealth fund. And say they overpay for the team, because why not? They got the money. Why compete with people for $3 billion when you could just offer 4 or $5 billion for the team anyway? And say a new arena has been built. And the team has a 30 to 50 year lease in place with that. Okay. What if they still just decide to move the team and go, no, we're going to put them in a bigger market. We don't care about the lease. And they just go and do it. You know, what comes from that would be a lawsuit. City, the, the stadium, they would sue the Sovereign Wealth Fund, thus suing the team and be like, you can't do this. And the Sovereign Wealth Fund might just be like, yeah, we don't care anyway. You know what? We lose the lawsuit. We owe you a billion dollars. We're worth 800 here you go. The Rams moved from St. Louis to LA. They lost a lawsuit for 700 plus million dollars. And it's not like the Rams went back. That money just got paid or is getting paid or is going to be figured out how to be paid. So I could see a scenario where these sovereign wealth funds buy small market teams and just move them and they deal with the fallout and however much money it costs. And you know, what to a normal person would just be a three to four to five billion dollar process of buying a team to a sovereign wealth fund is 10 to 15 billion. But to them may as well be nothing. I don't think this is going to happen, at least not right away. We're probably a number, a number, a number of years off of that. But it's something that concerns me a little bit long term, you know, and also I do think it's going to test the NBA and their kind of morals and ethics of being big time business partners with some of these countries and the human rights and everything that goes on with all of there, which is like a topic for another day. And I'm not going to get into all of that here, but it's something that I think is a really interesting topic that has long, long term ramifications for the NBA, you know, and literally could change the landscape for where teams are in the league. So it's going to be interesting to see how this, I think, plays out over time. There, there's, I, I've really simplified all of this from how those funds operate to other things. And the NBA Board of Governors can also be like, no, you can't move the team either. But owners don't like to vote against other owners, really. And so, because they might want to do the same thing in the future and they don't want to create that precedent. So would they actually stop a team from relocating, which I don't think the NBA itself actually wants, but if there's so much money involved, maybe they do. So something to keep an eye on. I wanted to kind of just explain where my head's at with a little bit with some of that. And I'm probably missing some key facts on how it all operates, which I'll learn more over time. But I think it's a really interesting story that hasn't been talked about much coming out of the new collective bargaining agreement. Let me know what you think down below in the YouTube comments. So that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with y'all tomorrow.